This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Now, normally, a centurion despised the Jews. And you see that the level of their despisement there. But in Pilate, the Roman governor, he despised the Jews. And that's why he said to the Lord in John 18, 35, John 18, 35, Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. And thou, and what hast thou done? See, when he said, am I a Jew? It was like, am I a dog? You know, the Romans despised the Jews. Normally, the Jews hated the centurions, so the compliment was mutual both sides. That normally the Jews hated the centurions, and so normally, normally they would say, uh, verse five, the centurion seeking the Lord, it, normally you'd say, can any good thing come out of a Roman centurion? You know, and with that question, Matthew would say, as John one, he would say, come and see, come and see, and so that's what we're doing. This centurion was not normal. And this centurion was not normal, meaning this centurion was different because we see this centurion beseeching the Lord in verse five. He's begging the Lord, he's begging him. Why would a powerful centurion be begging the Lord Jesus, who for all intents and purposes was homeless? Because this centurion knew who the Lord Jesus Christ was. He knew that's what made him so different. He was different because he knew this is God. He knew that the Lord Jesus Christ was God, and that's why he kept calling him Lord. Normally, servants are, were treated as a piece of property that could be just left to die if they got sick and replaced with another one, like the Amalekite that David ran across in 1 Samuel 30, verse 13. 1 Samuel 30, verse 13, it says, David said unto him, to whom belongest thou, see a property, piece of property, to whom belongest thou, and whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite, sorry, he's an Egyptian, I got it wrong, but anyway, servant to an Amalekite. 
My master left me because three days ago I fell sick. See? His master left him because he fell sick. That's normal for a master to do with a servant. If he gets sick, leave him, let him die, and get another one. But this centurion was different because he didn't leave his servant to die. This centurion loved his servant, and he calls him my servant. And you can feel the affection in there as this centurion is really going out on a limb to see him get healed. This centurion did comes to the Lord now, and he does what David did in Psalm 142.2, Psalm 142.2, where David said, I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. That's what this centurion is doing. He's pouring out his complaint. My servant is sick, grievously tormented, sick of the palsy. So this centurion was different because he called his servant, my servant lieth home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. It shows how much he loved him. It shows that this centurion was willing to risk his reputation to cross over the line calling a Jewish man Lord. In the Romans, there was only one Lord. That was Caesar. And there are several instances in the Bible where parents came to the Lord so that the Lord could heal their children, like the one we studied before, the Syrophoenician woman. And she was coming to the Lord so that the Lord would heal her daughter. But this centurion was different because he came to the Lord to heal his servant. And when this centurion said, in verse nine there, in verse nine, I say to this man, go, and he goeth to another, come, and he cometh, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. You know why they, you know why they did that? Of course, they had to do it. But you get the feeling here. They did that because they knew his servants. They knew he cared for them. He really genuinely cared for them. And he told the Lord in verse six that his servant was grievously tormented, and that meant that he was having these terrible seizures, and he felt this empathy for him. These were like grand mal seizures, that great joint pain, great muscle pain. You know, I had a friend, he's with the Lord now, Phil Caldwell. He was a missionary to the Jewish people in London, and Phil had this epilepsy with these grand mal seizures, and, and I remember telling him one time, I said, Phil, you know, the company we work with, they developed this drug called Felbitol, and it can keep people out of seizures, but out of 10,000 people, 10 got aplastic anemia, two have died. He said, I'll take it, I'll take it. He said, you know, because he said it was so terrible, they had put the towel in the mouth so he wouldn't bite off his tongue, and afterward, for days, he was just so sore because of the intense muscle constriction that, that really affected his joints and his muscles. And this unpredictability, Phil would never know when it would come. This, he didn't know when it was gonna come. And this tremendous seizure pain is what the centurion called grievously tormented, grievously tormented. Now, when the Lord saw the centurion describe this terrible state of the servant, the Lord immediately responds in verse seven, and Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. There's an immediacy in the response. Actually, it says I will come, but the Greek really is saying, I am coming. I am on my way, I'm on my way right now, I'm coming and I'm gonna heal him. Now, what that shows us, again, about the Lord from Psalm 22, 24, which is the chapter on his own crucifixion, and he says in Psalm 22, 24, that God has not despised the affliction of the afflicted, neither hath he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard. So when the Lord heard of the afflicted servant here, 
The Lord didn't hide his face and pretend like he didn't hear it. He dropped everything, and he started right off to come to his relief. He didn't despise the man because he was a Gentile. He heard this Gentile man, and he immediately started on his way, just like we just sung. He saw me plunged in deep distress and flew to my relief. That's what was happening. Now, can you imagine the Lord now, when he hears about this, is my servant is sick. He hears from the, hears from the centurion. My servant is sick. How the Lord must have thought when he hears the word servant. Servant, servant, he must have thought, that's what I am. I'm a servant. Because the Lord is described in Philippians 2.5. Philippians 2.5 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. So the Lord hears, a servant is sick, I'm a servant. I will, I'm going to heal the servant. Now, that the Lord should come to the centurion's house, it made sense. Made sense because uh, Jehovah Jesus, healing is under his wings, it says in Psalm 91.4. Psalm 91.4. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. And that's what Boaz told Ruth in Ruth 2.12. When Boaz said to Ruth, the Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. So it's great. The Lord's on his way. He's going to go heal the servant. And everyone believed that, boy, if the Lord comes to where the sick is, then the Lord's going to heal the sick. That's great that the Lord is already on his way to the centurion's house. But this centurion's different because he stops the Lord from going to his house with a protest. It's a protest in verse eight when he says the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldst come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. So the centurion actually stops the Lord from coming to his house when he says, I'm not worthy. He's different. The centurion is different because he says, I'm not worthy that you should come to my house. When he looks at the Lord, when the centurion looks at the Lord, he sees holiness he sees deity, and then he looks at himself, and he sees sinfulness. The centurion, when he does that, he looks at the Lord, he sees holiness, he sees God, and he looks at himself, and he sees sinfulness. He's just like Job, just like Job in Job 42.5. Job 42.5, where Job says to God, I've heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee, wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. He sees the Lord and he abhors himself. Abraham, same with Abraham in Genesis 18:27. Genesis 18:27. Abraham answered and said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. He sees the Lord and he sees himself as dust and ashes. Same with Isaiah. Isaiah, Isaiah 6, Isaiah 6, 1, which is the great chapter where he sees the Lord. Isaiah 6, 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. It stood, above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. With twain he did fly. And one cried unto another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. 
And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, so now keep in mind, he's seen the Lord. He's seen holy, holy, holy. Then he said, looks at himself. Then said I, in verse five, Isaiah 6, 5. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. He sees the king, he sees he's unclean. Job sees the Lord, he abhors himself. Abraham sees the Lord, he says he's dust and ashes. The centurion also sees the Lord, he says, I'm not worthy. But Peter saw the Lord, Peter saw the Lord in Luke 5, 8, Luke 5, 8. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, I am a, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Like Abraham, like Job, like Isaiah, like Peter, the centurion is different also because he sees the holiness of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then he says in verse eight, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. This was a centurion who commanded a 100 Roman soldiers, and if you would have asked those Roman soldiers, they would have said, he's worthy, he's our boss, he's a worthy centurion, but that's not how the centurion saw himself. He looked at himself and says, no, I'm not. I'm not worthy. You know, it's really important for us to look at a parallel passage in order to get the full understanding of what happened. But in this parallel passage of Luke 7.4, Luke 7.4, it talks about the Jewish people coming to the Lord on behalf of the centurion. And it says, when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly saying, he was worthy for whom he should do this, for he loveth our nation, hath built us a synagogue. So there's the Jewish people, and they're saying the centurion was worthy, but the centurion is different because he's saying, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy in verse eight. So he's asking the Lord to heal his servant, and notice he doesn't say, my servant is not worthy. He says, I'm not worthy. And it shows this deep humility. That's why he's different because this centurion was different because he was truly humble. You know, in Matthew, when we've been reading this here, it looks like, it looks like the centurion is standing before the Lord and having this conversation. But that's not the case, because like I said, when you look at Luke, in Luke 7, the parallel passage here, you find out the centurion is not standing in front of the Lord. In Luke 7, 2, it says, and a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him, how about that, who was dear unto him, was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal a servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this, for he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. When Jesus went with them, and when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou should enter into under my roof. So the centurion is so humble that he wouldn't even go himself to go speak to the Lord directly. But first, he sends the elders of the Jews to speak for him, and then he sends his friends to speak for him. See, this centurion is just like the publican. The publican in the temple who would not bring himself to look up to heaven as he was so impressed with how unworthy he was, the publican. So it says in Luke 18, 13, Luke 18, 13, 
the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then the Lord said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified. See, the centurion humbled himself, and the Lord said in Matthew 23, 12, Matthew 23, 12, whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And then the Lord used in Isaiah a picture when he said in Isaiah 40, verse four, Isaiah 40, verse four, every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill shall be made low. See, those who like this centurion humble themselves are like the valleys and those who exalt themselves are like the mountains and the hills. And the God said, the valleys will be exalted and the mountains will be made low. By the way, we learned there, as we were reading there in Luke 7, 5, Luke 7, 5, that what do you know? The centurion built a synagogue. The centurion built a synagogue for the Jews. And now what's happening? The Lord is blessing the synagogue. What's that? This centurion is different because he blessed the Jews. He blessed the Jews. And he received the promise of Abraham in Genesis 12, 3. Genesis 12, 3. I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. Now, This centurion is different because he comes to the Jewish Messiah for help, and he realizes the truth that the Lord told another Gentile in John 4.22, when the Lord said, you worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. This centurion is different because he realizes that salvation is of the Jews. So the centurion has stopped the Lord from coming to his house because he's not worthy, and he says, I'm not worthy that thou should enter into my roof, in verse eight, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. He's different because he believes in the power of the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. Literally, in the Greek, it reads, only say with a single word and it will be done. Now, Others thought, no, it's necessary for the Lord to be present for healing. I mean, the woman with the issue of blood in Mark 5, 25, she says, a certain, it says, a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years, suffered many things of many physicians, had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. I don't think things have changed very much nowadays, but anyway, she heard of Jesus come into the press behind him and touched his garment. She said, if I may but touch his clothes I shall behold. She thought it was necessary to touch the hem of his garment. Martha, who was the brother of Lazarus, and when he died and he was dead, and then the Lord came there to Bethany in John eleven twenty one. John eleven twenty one. then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. She thought it was necessary for the Lord to be there for to keep her brother from dying. The nobleman, the nobleman who had a son, he was dying. He said in John 4.49, John 4.49, the nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down ere my child die. He believed it was necessary for the Lord to come to his child, otherwise he's gonna die. And you remember about the friends of the invalid man, how they, they said, we gotta get him in front of the Lord. So they took the roof apart, because they couldn't get into the house, and then lowered him down there, it says in Mark 2, 4, when they could not come in nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, 
And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lies. See, they all thought, I gotta get close to the Lord. They gotta get the sick person by the Lord. Now, it's easy to follow the thinking of others. It's necessary for the Lord to be present, for a person to be healed. It's just not easy to do something that no one else believes, but that's why this centurion was different, because he believed it was not necessary for the Lord to be present to heal his servant. He believed that all the Lord had to do was just speak a word and he'd be healed. And he believed that the Lord was the one from Genesis 1.3, Genesis 1.3, where it says, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. You see, he believes in the power of the word. He believes that all he has to do is the Lord just have to say, let the servant be healed, and the servant would be healed, just like with the light in Genesis 1.3. That's why I read the passage about the Jewish leper being healed, because it comes before this account of the Roman centurion, because the Jewish leper said in Matthew 8.2, behold, there came a leper, worshiped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. See, if thou wilt, thou canst. That's the opposite of the man in Mark 9.22. In Mark 9.22, where he was telling him about his son, he said, Austin, cast him into the fire, into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And then Jesus turned around and said, Jesus said unto them, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him to believe. In other words, it's not a case of whether I can do anything, it's a case of whether you can believe. If thou wilt is the opposite of if thou canst. If thou wilt is the language of belief. If thou canst is the language of unbelief. So the centurion is altogether different. He's different because he knows the powers of nature, the powers of disease are all under the power of the Lord Jesus. He knows that. That's what amazed the disciples. In Mark 4.37, when there, Mark 4.37, when there was that great storm on the lake and the waves beat into the ship, so it was now full, and he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and say, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose, rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? So the centurion know, he, he knew what manner of man this was. He knew that all the powers of nature and disease are under his control. And the centurion then explains why he knew that it was not necessary for the Lord to come to his house. He says in verse nine, because I'm a man under authority. I have soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, he goes, come, he comes, do this, he does, does it. He's different because he believes that the angels are under the authority of the Lord Jesus, and they do instantly what, he's command, what they're commanded to do. Now, when the Lord heard that, he was just astounded. The word is marveled. He marveled, it says in verse 10. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to, him, said to them that followed, now picture this, said to them that followed him, verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. The Lord admired this man's faith. He honored him. He marveled at his great faith, which, by the way, is another reason why Calvinism is so wrong, which teaches that faith is the gift of God and comes from, it comes from God and doesn't come from man. I mean, if this centurion's faith came from God, then why would God marvel at, his, at, at the man's faith? Faith comes from man, and God rewards man for his faith. Man is not a robot. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.